This is the account of Christ's resurrection from the book of Luke. Chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. And on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. These are women that had been followers of Jesus. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. As you know from the other gospel that uh, John was with Peter and he ran in as well. He was a witness along with the women and the other disciples to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was crucified at a specific time and day in history that was witnessed by Romans, by the Jewish authority, by mobs of people, as well as his disciples. Guards had been placed at the tomb. They, Saul, knew of the resurrection of Jesus. There were many witnesses. There was a great earthquake that day, and many others rose from the grave. dead and alive again. Christ was not crucified and he was not risen. He did not rise from the grave without witnesses, without testimony. That is the proof offered to you here that there is a living God. That Christ died for your sins and is alive now to make intercession for you. It is not a rumor, it is not a mythology, it is not a metaphor, it is a historical reality that Christ came, God in the flesh, he lived among us, 
Some accepted him. Others did not. He was an offense to the religious authorities of his day because of what he preached about the character of God, the nature of God's kingdom. So they sought to put an end to him, and they crucified him, not knowing that he was willingly offering himself as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for sins, and that he would rise on the third day, as he had told his disciples. They had not comprehended what that meant. But there is the story, the true story, of God among us, God with us, I'm going to continue the reading now with an account of Jesus meeting several disciples on the road to a town called Emmaus after his resurrection. We're continuing in Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. I have to tell you that moves me. The crucified king has been resurrected and he begins to walk with two human beings on this earth what humility what love what a mystery of how God discloses himself to us But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? Jesus was not being deceptive. He was asking to draw them out. And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that he had that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had also had said, but him they did not see. 
And he said to them, And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I think of others when I read that. I think of myself. You could say that it contains the history of the world's great tragedy. O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? I hope you will meditate on the necessity and the sufficiency of his sufferings. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. That is the Old Testament, the Torah, the major and minor prophets, the wisdom literature. Jesus showed the necessity of his death, the necessity of his suffering, that he might be the savior of all. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus will abide with you. He will stay with you, the resurrected Lord, as he stayed with these two men in their humble dwelling. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Why did Jesus vanish? Because he had accomplished what he came to do. He came to reveal himself to these men that they would be his witnesses. He gave them an experience a story to tell that would include others in their story, that others might have the same experience of recognizing him, of seeing him, of hearing him explain the scriptures to them by his spirit. He had sown the seed and it would grow. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures to us? God would have his disciples 
God would have his church to be. Men, women, and children with burning hearts. Aflame with truth. Aflame with the attributes of God. Love, mercy, grace, justice. Let it burn in our hearts. Let him burn in our hearts. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. I have said before that the bread of heaven was baked in the furnace of affliction and then broken by the hands of Christ himself that we would eat his flesh and drink his blood and have life within us. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. I won't make too much of this point, but it is an important point. It's a stronghold in theology. The resurrected Christ still shared our humanity. He who took flesh still had flesh. He made an eternal sacrifice in taking humanity to himself. He will always be God with us as well as the Son of Man. And as Scripture says, it is the Son of Man who is coming, and is coming soon. He became one with us that we might become one with him eternally. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. What's the hands and the feet? because they were scarred with nails. He showed them his wounds. He was wounded for our transgressions, says Isaiah. He was bruised for our iniquities. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Again, He's reinforcing to them his likeness and his oneness with them, yet without sin. They gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Like he had done many times before. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He will now do his work with them that he had done with the two from Emmaus. 
openings within the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus offers evidence of his truthfulness, evidence of the truthfulness and faithfulness of God, evidence that this is a reliable guide, and that evidence is prophecy. He had revealed himself, it says, to be in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. They must be fulfilled. Thousands of years before the events, God revealed to the prophets things to come, and those things did come. And the Gospels repeat it over and over and over again, that the acts of Christ were to fulfill those prophecies. That's great evidence that this is not a myth, not the imaginations of men, not mere metaphor, but historical reality of God with us from the beginning to the end. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And they led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. These things were done for them that they may be done for us. As the two men were blessed by the presence and teaching of Jesus and they witnessed to others who were also blessed who Jesus revealed himself to them Through his word, Jesus gave meaning to their experience. He gave validation to their experience through the word, the scriptures. The scriptures testify that it is so, this living Christ, this living God. And he is returning. The promise of his return, his second coming, is with the same authority, the same evidence of witnesses as his first coming, his first advent. 
doubt if you choose. Be lost if you choose. But it will be without excuse. God has made himself known and will make himself known to every soul in the way that will meet their needs the best. He knows exactly what is calculated to overcome your doubts and your fears, your misgivings. He knows how to heal. He knows how to overcome even your sins. God knows what he is doing. You can trust him. You can believe in him. And if you will, you'll find him in those quiet moments, sitting at your table, walking along the road, even hiding in a room. He will manifest himself to you. Will you believe? God bless you.